This is a podcast from WSUM. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not reflect the views of WSUM, the University of Wisconsin-Madison, or its Board of Regents. Hey, and welcome back. You're listening to the asynchronous version of After Further Review here on WSUM. This is hosted by myself, Alexander Schuster, and the man, the myth, oh the gosh, legend, man. Vincent Hesbrick. I, right I next was really to me. hoping that you w- wouldn't repeat that. That's my least favorite tradition for the show, but I think that's why you're continuing it. Well, how's your summer been, Alex? Uh, it's been pretty good. I've been working a lot, watching a lot of sports when I can. Uh, I have to get up early, so I usually end up watching recaps for a lot of stuff, which is unfortunate, especially when I watch like the first half of a basketball game, and then I think I know what's going to happen, and then you don't watch the second half, and then. Something yeah, it's almost like that there's two halves to the game. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so, some would say. Some would there say. you go. <laughs> well, as always, I guess we should jump right into it. We start with Rate My Take, where the two of us come in with a take we figured out ahead of time, and then we give them to the other person, and they react without knowing what it is. So do you want me to go first, or you want to go? I'll let you go first. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'll be honest. I don't really have any notes for this one. I just want to talk about it. I was thinking about how excited I was for the upcoming Bucks season because I'm pretty sure they're going to run it back. We'll talk more about that later in the show, and I'm excited to see Jordan Love progress with the Packers and finally get his shot. But I'll, I'd be honest, I didn't do a ton of research on this, but this might be the most exciting Wisconsin sports has been in quite a long time. The, the other one that pops into mind is the 90s with Ron Dane, Brett Favre, and the Bucks. We're doing pretty well with Ray Allen, but right now you've got yourself a championship contender with the Bucks. The Brewers are poised to make the playoffs, knock on wood. The Packers are legitimately exciting in a new way for the first time in about 15 years. And not to mention, we get the first year of Luke Fickle as well. So just as a whole, I know this isn't the usual in-depth thing, but I am just so excited for fall to start up. I think the, I know people have made it like the meme where it's just an infinite circle of get your hopes up, get yeah. let down, get your hopes up, get let down. I mean, there's more steps along the way, but I feel like I'm I'm happy to be at the top of that circle again where we're starting to build our hopes up. We, we got new coaches and players coming in and bringing new life to the programs um, all across Wisconsin. Yeah. And the Bucks team is pretty much the same, but, I mean, Packers, young, new player, a lot of Wisconsin athletics. Uh, new players coming in, I, I mean, every year as usual, but that new coaches coming in as well this year and a lot of different sports with both hockey and football getting new coaches. So it's going to be very exciting. Uh, lots of stuff to look forward to. Uh, a lot of waiting to do yeah. leading up into that. But Yeah, the way I see it, the worst thing that can happen is we are fun bad. I mean, the, the a bad Packers team would still be fun with who they have on the team. So. And it's almost like, because it's like, there's this circle of getting your hopes up. It's almost like this is a three-dimensional circle. It's a sphere, and there's another whole part of it that's just how much fun you have watching. And I'm I'm having quite a good time right now. Yeah, I feel like this is uh, uncharted territory here for a lot of Wisconsin sports fans. We're like, I think we're all used to just being at minimal, consistent contenders with the same pieces, really just rolling it over year after year after year. And now we have a chance for a little volatility with some of the programs. I mean, hopefully uh, higher performance than what we've been expecting. But, you know, it's always exciting when there's change afoot. So hopefully it's good change uh, across the board here. But I I like that. I, that's a, a strong take. I mean, that's what I've been feeling myself. I've been trying to find, like, a name for it or, like, something that, like, we could, like, because I feel like this is kind of like a new era for Wisconsin sports here, like after Aaron Rodgers has kind of shifted his way out. How about the wild Midwest? 
Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, on your on your toes, that's, that's a pretty good one. Yeah. Well, I maybe should have kept it to myself because that implies the entire area, but we'll let that slide. Yeah. All right. Why don't you go ahead, Alex? All right. So my rate, my take, uh, it's NBA-focused. Uh, so even though the Heat destroyed the Bucks in the first round of this year's playoffs, I've almost started to root for them, almost being I, I still get frustrated watching them. I mean, Jimmy Butler is just – insane to watch especially when he the first three quarters of the game he, he looks like he's having a terrible night and then just right at the end takes over when they need him most and just comes up clutch for them it it's hard not to root for them to win because I, I like seeing it happen over and over and over again but it was annoying watching it against the bucks so that's why it's an almost root for them but uh so they beat us in the first round which broke my heart but in the second round they took down one of the most annoying uh fan bases as underdogs against the knicks only to do outdo that feat in the conference finals by taking down the most annoying fan base in the nba in the boston celtics in seven games in a fairly heartbreaking fashion letting them get their hopes all the way up to be the first team to come back from a 3-0 playoff deficit only to tear out their hearts in game seven and blow them out of the water and now they're matched up against possibly the league's best team and player right now in the Denver Nuggets, a team that up until last night had yet to lose at home uh, in this year's playoff run, and a team that just matches up perfectly to pick apart the Heat's zone defense, dominating offensively while still making things uh, tough on the other other end of the floor against the Heat's offense. So I, I think this uh, playoff run is the perfect ending, or the, this playoff matchup is this finals matchup is the perfect ending for this year's playoff run. Uh, just two fantastic teams built around all-time great players. And from the outside, the Heat look like a massive underdog, but they show time and time again that um, over and over again in this playoff run that they're just capable of playing perfectly as a team, having anyone and everyone step up for five minutes and contribute to a win uh, with Jimmy Butler really taking things over down the stretch uh, when they need him most, especially against the Bucks, and then uh, in, in some of these games against the Celtics, just uh, getting up shots and, and always coming up for them. Um, and then after watching two games of the series, I'm I'm really rooting for the Heat team uh, to win against the Nuggets, um, but I, I think the underdog side of them has kind of been overestimated. I mean, yes, these guys were undrafted players, but when there's only two rounds and 30 NBA teams, only so many guys actually get to be drafted and how many of those guys end up being busts each year. So being undrafted really isn't the worst thing in the world. And their actual NBA career performance is probably better than a, a good amount of a- actual NBA draft picks. So oh, I yeah, feel more like, than half. Certainly. Yeah. So I, I I didn't want to put a number on it like that because I wasn't that confident. But at this, I mean, think about how many guys. I mean, there is still a lot of guys that actually do get drafted, but they don't always draft the right guys. And a lot of guys that go undrafted end up being great NBA players. So I feel like that's not something that really should like be counted against them. Is like, oh my gosh, look at how like quote unquote bad this team is. Like they don't really have any of these guys. Like it's a bunch of scrubs and then Jimmy Butler. Like I think they're really getting overlooked. With like this is a good team, and I, I really don't think they should be considered underdogs like once you make it to the finals like yes you can say the nuggets are a really really great team but it comes off as just trashing this very good heat team like they're they're a deep team they got a lot of guys that can give them good minutes and put up good performances in the playoffs so 
I think people got to stop disrespecting the Heat. But at the same time with that, having, like, a team with, I mean, how many guys in the starting five do you think the average person off the street could name? Like, even if they were, like, average yeah, NBA Yeah, I mean, fan. Jimmy Butler is the go-to, but he's even been their best player the past no. couple of games, which is just adds to how awesome it is. And so, for me, it, it's something that, like, I really like watching. I like seeing just having, like, even Kevin Love, I mean, he did look old, but at the same time, like, coming in and, like, giving it his all, trying to, like, match up against Jokic uh, last night. And uh, Vincent just stepping up and being an absolute monster against the Celtics, not really coming through in this series. But then you have Duncan Robinson coming out of nowhere, a guy that really, I mean, he missed two pretty big shots that could have closed out the Celtics and took a lot of heat for it and then just comes back completely unfazed doing his role and then some uh, to help get them a, a pretty big win last night on the road. Um, so I think the the Heat being underdogs has been kind of overestimated, um, but I, I think it would just be huge to have this Heat team get a, a ring because, I mean, the Heat and Jimmy Butler would be winning an NBA title would almost be too cheesy of a story and unbelievable, like the way they've made out in the media. Like you would think it's like – too unbelievable to be put in a Hollywood movie. I mean, inevitably it probably would be. I mean, like with Jimmy <laughs> Butler's life background and then like this team and, oh my gosh, all these undrafted guys. Like it, it, it sounds like a Hollywood movie, but at the same time, like if you actually watch these games, like the, the Heat are a really good team, which is, that's the crux of my argument is like the, the Heat, gotta you got to stop overlooking them. I mean, once you beat the best, the one seed in your conference, the two seed in your conference and the Knicks were a fairly respectable team but you you take them down to make it to the the finals and then beat a team that has yet to lose at home arguably the best team in the playoffs you beat them on their home court in the finals like you got to stop overlooking them you got to stop really calling them underdogs like I doubt the Nuggets are like that confident that oh we're just gonna like come through and like wipe these guys up like they they shouldn't even be on the same court as them like they respect them as an opponent an opponent and I, I don't think they would see them as just any other team like they are a, a finals opponent you and someone you should be like giving respect to yeah well uh, a lot to unpack there yeah I have to say but um I, a little bit of too much rambling here I did throw this together right before the show but that I mean that's the main thing that I've been thinking of is like everyone talks about the Nuggets not getting their love after their series against the Lakers but the Heat really haven't gotten their love either and when they do it's oh my gosh look all these undrafted guys like let's talk about they have seven undrafted guys on their starting roster like let's focus on that like look at all these guys like I bet you don't even know who this is and like yes if you don't watch basketball you probably don't know who that is but you can still like look at them and, and know that they are a good player and you probably should learn their name instead of focusing on Lakers and Celtics and stuff like that. So the, the Heat deserve just as much praise as the Nuggets for the, for that run as well. Yeah, I mean, because the, the problem with the amount of times that the phrase undrafted players has been used is that it's not used in the context of, wow, the Heat are such a great organization for finding these guys. It's in the context of, man, these guys aren't very good, and they're still in the finals. This is crazy. And that's the part where I, I'd have to agree with you. That being said, though, if you look at the Nuggets, you could probably have, I mean, obviously they don't have undrafted guys, but, I mean, Nikola Jokic was a second round. They didn't have a ton of highly touted players there, but I guess it just goes to show how even though the scouting reports usually indicate that the number one guy is always the best and so on, there's always the gems, and 
I guess it just shows how great the Heat and the Nuggets are, both as a team, as an organization, that they're able to spot these guys when everybody else completely missed. Uh, going to the cheering for the Heat part, I have to agree, but I'm taking a more, I don't want to say logical, but mathematical approach. Basically, as a Bucks fan, I'm all about preserving Giannis's legacy. So I think that if Jimmy Butler beats Denver, then Giannis can go back to the the uh, position as best player in the league. And also it makes it better for the Bucks if you say, oh, well, we lost the defending champions, not an eight seed. So I, I think, I mean, I don't remember if we were te- just texting about it or if we said it on the show, but I'm 100% standing behind you on that. The only issue with that is, like, just because we did lose to them, I, I still, like, I remember seeing Jimmy Butler porting up at the scoreboard and looking at Drew Holiday and, like, saying, yeah. like, this is, <laughs> this is what we did to you. And, it, I mean, that hurt. I was upset after that and like that feeling hasn't gone gone away entirely but at the same time like it it made me respect them fully and I feel like most teams like until they win the championship they're not fully going to get the respect they deserve as a team because I think Jimmy Butler I mean rightfully so he deserves all the love he's been getting but I feel like it's either been like Pat Riley or just Jimmy Butler or Spolstra like they pick and choose who they want to give the praise to instead of recognizing I mean like it is a full team effort like you need all those players buying in and actually performing well on the court to like achieve this result and like it's not an easy feat to do and I feel like the media doesn't give them as enough attention and when they do they're like giving the flowers to the wrong people they're like oh my gosh look at Jimmy Butler and they try and put it on the shoulders of one or two people like carrying the effort all the way as if it's not a full like they need the entire roster of like everyone like I mean rolling through like Bam Adebayo even like he's been I mean last night he played amazing he like one of the the few guys that's put up a triple double during this playoff run so I mean he's a, a really great player crucial for them during this and I feel like that's another guy that hasn't gotten the, enough attention. Yeah, it's well. I guess I, I'll take a, a step back a little bit. Where obviously, yeah, we are excited that the the Heat are took care of business against New York and Boston. But it would have been way better if the Bucks were the ones who were able to do that. Um, that being said, it, it it's cool watching them. And I just, I, I looking you're taking. I'll even use the same analogy. Twelve steps back. Like we talk about, well, they don't they don't get the credit they deserve or whatever. But the way I see it, it's like, who cares? If they win, they still get rings. And if the Nuggets win, they still get a ring. Nothing changes regardless of how many times ESPN writes an article about your team or not. So I think that, I mean, we talk about who should be getting credit and stuff, but I feel like results matter a lot more than narratives and credit do. That is a good point. Like I've heard some people say that, like, the Nuggets need to win because this will be better for Jokic's legacy. And, yeah, and it's like Jimmy how we Butler's talk about a guy's legacy now. when he's not even 30. Yeah. It, it's ridiculous, as I talk about Giannis's legacy before, but, but we don't I talk mean, about that. When you're a fan and like you have a rooting interest in a guy, it becomes emotional, and like you're not you're not always having like logically sound like reasonings to support stuff. And like I mean, the way you look at things is always going to be based around what team you root for. But at the same time, like. I I get what you're saying. Like it it applies, but at the same time, like you want to have exceptions for me to only care about my guy's legacy. Or like, I mean, well, exa- when you're a fan of the team, it's like you're allowed to get that most. Like if Nuggets fans are talking about Jokic's like outlook compared to all time centers, that's totally cool. But when I see all the like national 
articles about this topic, that's just like, okay, let's pump the brakes here. There's also a, like, there's a series that has 10 players on the floor at all times. And it's not someone that's like the biggest nug- like Nuggets or Jokic fan in the world. Like, I mean, you don't have to be a fan of a team to like respect a player. But like, I mean, you got Shannon Sharp, who's literally just a LeBron fan. Like, whatever team <laughs> he's on, he is a fan of. And like, I don't know if that's just going to be the new thing of like, all right, you're just going to have all these Jokic stands like in the media, like all the guys that are like, all right, we need to talk talk about Jokic's legacy right now. Like, let's have that conversation which I think is one of the funniest things you ever hear is like, it's time to have that conversation. Like we need to talk about this right now. It's like definitely don't need to, but yeah. I mean, at some point you got to fill time. So I know. How about, let's talk about next week. How yeah. about that? Let's <laughs> I though to some extent, I think it's okay, but next week is when it, go, it gets a little out of hand. Like when you're talking about like an event leading up like the day before, two days before, like, Oh, we're getting excited about this. Like, what do you think is going to happen? That's one thing. But if, you're giving a, a like theoretical like two weeks in advance like what if the nuggets win this series in six games and here's exactly what has to happen how does this affect <laughs> his legacy and like it's just the most situational example you can ever give like me and my brother were talking last night and was, how many games like do you think each team's going to win in and he said nuggets in six and i was like all right so what games do the heat win like that matters and like we were running through like the, <laughs> The like twenty different scenarios that you could end up having. The Remind me to never watch six. a game with you too. Oh my gosh! It was before the game. We were okay. just like eating dinner and talking about that, and it was it was just terrible. It was like a waste, a complete waste of time. And I think we both realized it pretty early on uh, in the conversation, but we still got through like three or four different theoretical situations of would this be a good series or a bad series, and either way, it still ends the same way. But I think there is still, like there is a little bit of merit to it. It's like, all right, so now each team has one game, and then you're going back versus if Nuggets go up two nothing, and then you go to the Heat, and then they go up three. Uh, Nuggets win one of those games in Miami, then they're up three nothing, and then Heat win two games, and Nuggets close out in Game Six. Like I feel like that series is slightly less interesting than a little alternating, and then Nuggets win. I'm doing it again. Sorry, but. <laughs> It's really not that interesting, but at the same time, like for whatever reason, it it, it is to me. Okay. To think about that, I don't know go. if you agree with that at all, but um, I, I blacked out. Okay, sorry. Well, yeah. <laughs> anyways, I, I agree with you about uh, the Heat, um, the the undrafted thing being taken too far, and I agree that they're a fun team, except for the fact they beat the Bucks. So I'll, I'll give you the eight on that one. I think I unlocked the way to just get high scores from you, which is just ramble for long enough that you can't keep paying attention to it so you just default to like all right, <laughs> yeah, yeah here 11 you go. out of 10 nice <laughs> job <laughs> all right should we move i mean i guess i kind of already covered some of my likes and dislikes in that well, big or ramble, we're not doing but, um badger sports oh, update to be named later I, I, I completely skipped that yes let's just not do it then okay all right all right go on so likes and dislikes we have my personal like was celtics getting their hopes crushed uh, but this was half a dislike for it taking seven games and Tatum getting injured to make it happen. But seeing the run of them going like, okay, 
Celtics in four, they lose game one. Celtics in five, lose game two. Celtics in six, lose game three. Celtics <laughs> in seven. Then it just keeps going, like, don't let us get one, like, all this stuff. Like, I thought that was a good quote. I mean, if it would have worked out, that would have been an all-time moment of, like, oh, my gosh, yeah, like, we called it. Like, we just needed to get rolling, win the one game. And it kept looking like it was going to happen up until that last game seven when it just all fell apart for them. And I was so, so happy that it happened. I, I – I think the Celtics might be like my new least favorite franchise of fan or well, it's fan funny because franchise. What about the Celtics makes them unlikable? Like, is Jason Tatum a bad guy? It's not even the team. It's, yeah, it's, it's their the fans. fans. Yes, and I I hate it so much that it makes me dislike the players too. We're like Jalen Brown. I do like him, but now all I can think about is. He can't dribble, doesn't deserve to get paid, like all the stuff that people are like forcing this conversation <laughs> to be had about. And it gives me reasons to dislike them mo- over and over and over again. Yeah, Marcus Smart is annoying, but like every team has an annoying yes. person. You it's, need an annoying guy. I, I think you need him. What's funny is that I've been to Boston twice and I love it. And everyone's like really nice there. But Boston, for some reason, like I got an argument with a guy selling ice cream out of a truck there. He was a Patriots fan. It's. It's like he's a really chill dude, but as soon as sports get going, it's like it unlocks a whole other side of people. But I'm sure it's the same with us. What other fan bases would you put like in that category? Well, New York. It, the, the the clip is legendary of uh, the, the Knicks. They lose game one to the Hawks, and then they win game two, and they have like the people reporting them outside. It's like, yeah, Trey Young, how you like that? So, okay, well, you're down or you're tied at one. You lost home court advantage. And you're chanting, we want Brooklyn after winning game two? Was that the one where it's, like, just the whole crowd of people and there's, like, a bunch of people wearing, like, Spider-Man costumes? Yes, it's yes. that one. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. But going back to the Celtics, yeah, the the hopes got up so high that my hopes were down. I was, like, I picked the Heat to win game seven, wink, wink. But I was still pretty spooked about a possible comeback. It almost makes it better, though, because – Derek White's putback was probably the most excited that because I was excited. I don't even, you know, I, I was I was cheering for the Heat pretty badly. So I'm sure it was amazing for Celtics fans, which made it all the better when Duncan Robinson is trash talking your fans as you're up by 20 with four minutes left. Uh, the, it turned so fast back and forth of like, okay, so everyone's praising uh, Jimmy Butler for doing like the the timeout thing to back to Al Horford after yep. he did that, and then they're like, "Oh my gosh! Like, look how bad this is gonna look after if they like are the first team to like re- get reverse swept ever. Like, this is gonna be like such a bad look. Like, this is gonna be like all this talk. Like, they're laughing on the bench after they're losing. Like, they they really think they're like they only have to get one game and they're that confident. Like, this is the reason they're gonna lose, and then all just flips on him right away like most of that game it it just never looked like they even had a chance and like part of that was because Tatum injured his ankle on basically like the the first play of the game but still like even without that you still gotta be able to like if it was a close game you can say Tatum was hurt but they lost bad like never even had a chance in it I mean the only one who showed up was Derek White (laughs) which oddly enough like made me like I knew he was good when he was on the Spurs but I didn't think he would be as like big of an impact maker as he was in this playoff series like I, I really expected to be like Malcolm Brogdon being the guy that like stepped up for him big time but Derek White was very I mean impressive honestly yeah definitely and I think he's still there for another year so I don't know if, if we get a another Bucks Celtics 
playoff series like I, I thought we would this year. I mean, he'll be one of those guys who maybe he'll be the difference for them getting better this year if he takes another step forward. Bill, you want to jump to your – I see you've got a, a really a dislike I agree with 100%. Yeah, so I don't – I think we need to have a little bit of a discussion between NFL and NBA scheduling uh, because when they have – finals or conference finals games on the same day for both NHL and NBA and then the next day there's absolutely nothing on it's annoying because a the day that nothing's on you're completely bored I mean it gets to like seven o'clock and you're like clicking around like hoping that there's something on for you so some sports to watch before you go to bed absolutely nothing there for you and then the next night you have two games that start at the exact same time you got puck drop on one channel and tip off on the other one, and you got to find a way to try and a- a- attempt to watch two games at the exact same time, or pick one to watch, or maybe you, you you do a little channel surfing, you flip between each one, and then you just keep missing stuff on each game, and it's one and of the most Channel surfing is such a terrible experience. It never works out, because you, you flip, and if the commercials line up at the exact same time, then it's terrible, because you have two commercials, and, and you're, you're, you can't, you got nowhere else to surf to, and then... If you're you're trying to watch both games, I mean, you can do the multiple screen things if you if you're so lucky to do, have that, like get no. my phone out and the computer. But then you still have you only have one set of eyes to actually watch. Yeah, each game I'm not at a big time. fan of picture in picture because like we have the um we, we have a club at WSUM called Sports at Night where we just sit around and watch sports the whole time. And usually we do football, but with it ending, uh, it was like, what do we do next? And there was literally, I'm not, I don't think you were there, but. We legitimately had this projector split up into six different screens. It was like two by three, and there were like three hockey games, a baseball game, and basketball going. It was an absolute nightmare, and it it was so bad. So I I feel like just, just make it one game. Commit to one of them, and you know, maybe it's the fourth quarter one of them you can switch back. But, yeah, watching two games at once is impossible. And I, think- I hate that they schedule it. So that way people are forced to do it. I hate that because I, I want the ability to watch every single game every single week. But I, obviously And that's so should the people who run the sports. It's like, I don't get it. I mean, they, they are two different leagues, but they should know that if you just went to this complete dead time, hey, here's all these other fans that are going to come watch you so both numbers can end up higher. Yeah, there were no night basketball games during the Super Bowl because they're aware of how big a deal it is. It's like I mean, obviously none of the NBA and NHL semi uh, semifinals isn't as big as the Super Bowl, but they should still know you don't don't split your base, man. And I think the only – I mean the NFL has kind of made a point of doing it. Of, like they got Black Friday games, like Christmas games, like everything – like. We don't care. Like we're taking. Well, your people days. adjust to the NFL. Yeah, they're so big. But NHL and NBA got to work together. It's, yeah, especially for like leagues that are small, like baseball. The same way, like that. That's one where like you'll have it based on what region you're in, like whether or not you get it on TV. But it sucks if there's like a Bucks game and a Brewers game on at the same time. Like you're only gonna have one of them on the channel, and if. That's why it's so frustrating to me when there's like a nationally televised game where it's supposed to be. In, I think we've done this before as well, where it's like here's like the Bucks game is supposed to be on for this entire region, but since it's like we're in the local area, they put it on a separate channel, then yeah. put a different game on, but then something else will be on that channel instead of the game. <laughs> so then you just don't get like the the local game that you're supposed to be able to watch. Most annoying thing. In, for watching sports and a blackouts are infuriating. It's even worse with baseball. Will uh, that'll actually be one of my likes, which 
I guess is right now. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so basically, was it, did you hear about the, the Padres and their broadcasting situation? No. Okay, so basically, there's Bally Sports is bankrupt. We talked about that before, and they did, they missed their payment for the Padres. Therefore, MLB is stepping in and recording their games for them, and it's on the same channel. So it's basically just MLB knew this was going to happen ahead of time. They, for once in their lives, were on top or ahead of the curb on this one. So they jumped in, and they're recording the Padres games now, and now people are wondering if it's going to be a domino effect. It probably won't because the big reason this was done so quickly is they've missed other payments, but there has to be a court hearing about it and stuff. But because the Padres, they have a stake in Bally Sports or Diamond, as they're called, they're able to shut it down quicker. So I'm just this is probably the first step of what's going to eventually become a a major blow for Diamond, and I'm I'm all here for it because they're owned by Sinclair, and they're like they're the broadcasting equivalent of Pearson. I feel like yeah, n- probably my least favorite uh, channel to have. I mean. It, it's just so frustrating because it, it, it never worked for me. I had a, a full cable package that I was like at the beginning of the year, and then I got sick of paying for it. And I, I tried to use the one that I was supposed to have through school, but it didn't work on like the Wi-Fi network that I had. Yeah. So I just <laughs> wasn't able to watch Bucks games unless I went to uh, alternative sources. So that was very frustrating. And Bally is hilarious right now. They're saying, well, we just need the streaming rights we can, so people who get Bally Sports Plus on our app can watch it, and then we'll be profitable. And it's like That's like Blockbuster saying, if only we got the Indiana Jones movies on DVD, people would be coming back to us. Like, no, it's way bigger than that. You guys are toast. I mean, that it, it's kind of the, the new era of like streaming is making its way. Like, it disrupted TVs and movies like that with its first run through and now it kind of shifted in with like Disney plus, I feel like was like the last one of like, especially like movies. Like now everyone has to have their own streaming platform. Yeah. And now they have ESPN is kind of shifting that same, uh, yep. like, ESPN plus though. Exactly. We couldn't watch uh badger women's hockey in the finals. Cause it was only on that. Did you see, they were talking about taking it off of cable completely and having it be just its own standalone service. Like if you subscribe to ESPN plus, you just tune in here and now you can watch, anything like they still have live programming like they have, they'll have their channel or whatever but you I, I think it would shift to like more of a, like a youtube format where like anyone could be on at the same time and like okay you, sounds you're live and then you have your videos or whatever but then it's not a part of a cable package so everyone has to go out and buy espn plus yeah i mean just like i get it if someone in ohio is a big fan of badger hockey i mean espn plus that's cool but when you're in wisconsin and you can't watch wisconsin hockey in the finals without paying money for espn plus that's just terrible it i mean they have their priorities of like what sports bring in money and which ones don't so i mean i guess the daytime talk shows and everything i mean we do it here but at the same time like talk shows it it, when they're not ours yeah i mean (laughs) give us that slot that was the joke but not a very funny one but i mean They've been changing stuff with their talent, too, of, like, just getting rid of a bunch of, like, smaller employees to bring in McAfee and, like, just here's the big names, give them as much time as possible. And then, I don't know, like, it's it's an interesting shift uh, in that whole world of, like, I wouldn't, I really wouldn't be surprised if they had, like, ESPN off of cable pretty soon. Yeah, that's, that's pretty bold. Yeah. I, I don't see that, but, I mean, if it happens, you can... 
laughing maniacally. What I ESPN off a cable. What, I mean, yeah, they just completely shift to streaming. I mean, that'd be cruel if you had to pay to watch. You, you couldn't watch the college football finals. Yeah, I don't know how they would. I mean, maybe not, as you actually look at like how it would work. It, I, I'm assuming a lot of people would be frustrated by it, but. I, I wouldn't Whatever be surprised. I mean, they have like I mean Amazon Prime and like YouTube going like shifting. Yeah, you're right with Thursday Night Football. Yeah. Yep. So I wouldn't be surprised if they start just shifting like all live programming. Like here, you just gotta like almost like a pay per view setup. Like that's kind of spooky. It it would be terrible. I think I mean all sports games should just be publicly available that, for anyone to watch. Like if you want like buying a ticket and attending in person, I, I think that should still be its own thing. Oh yeah. But. But buying a ticket and watching it online, online is dead. Yeah, that's yeah. stupid. Like you're not getting nearly the same experience. I, the one argument people can make is it's arguably better sometimes. Like you get a better view of the game and like the comfort of your own home. Like I understand. Well, I think like, I saw that like half of people like prefer that. watching games from home. I would which, rather be there in person. Oh yeah, well, every me, single time. Yeah, definitely 100. percent But we're we're insane, you and I. I mean, if yeah. you're just we, we, some people say casual. You and I call it the the fun fans. Mm-hmm. I mean, then you can take a step back and be like, okay, well, I got to drive all the way out here. I got to find a parking spot, overpriced concessions, and pay extra money to watch the same game I could watch at home. I, I, I disagree with that logic, but it definitely makes sense. I I think your experience is going to be better, which is like baseball games. Like they do it. I think the like viewing atmosphere on your couch, unless you're t- planning on taking a nap, like I, I think the in person viewing experience is a million times better in the stadium versus it, like on your couch for football it's a little different because you can still like that's when you get some of the at least for me like i i like having red zone up just for my my fantasy football purposes and like have the then you get a little more picture in picture services going but i like again if i had the option to go in person i would take that every single time there you go well jumping back to the regional sports networks um a big reason that they're losing money is that I mean, people aren't are cutting their cord for cable. And another part is that they have deals with teams that are, like, way too lucrative for the teams. Like, they have to pay the Oakland Athletics a lot of money. <laughs> I think they have to pay them, I think it's like $8 million, or It's more than that. But I feel like Oakland should have to pay Valley Sports to have their game on there with how bad they've been. Um, well, I, I guess that's a good segue, segue for me. I... I did a, a long, long rate my take a couple months ago about why Oakland is terrible in every single way and a bit of a cruel uh, irony for them. So they have the land in Las Vegas. It looks like they're going to go there. However, the lease for the Oakland Coliseum still goes another year. So they burned every single bridge possible in Oakland and they still need them for another year because the stadium and like even further the stadium won't be ready until 2026 they say so there is a legitimate proposal that will probably happen where they play their professional games in their minor league stadium for three years seriously yes that's like the arizona arizona coyotes they're uh playing at i think it was arizona state's hockey stadium and they well that's a college stadium yeah. those are big there's well, other they were told teams that, that do that the, the stadium was too small and they gotta like find somewhere else to go and at the same time there was a vote from uh blanking on what city they're out of but uh they voted on whether or not to build a new stadium for them and it 
got turned down. So they're <laughs> they're probably going to be on the move also. I mean, hockey in Arizona, you got to assume that's not going to be the biggest yeah, we, market for it. That's the worst it, place to build a hockey rink. Yeah. I mean, it's not – there is – like hockey I think is like – probably the most regional dependent sport i mean oh yeah like it's need, massive in canada you need the cold like if you don't ha- like in florida i mean it's still gonna be like you're gonna find people that want to play it but it's not gonna be the exact same as like you don't have like the odr season like out like playing outside or anything like that like it's it's more culturally ingrained in like the, the colder climate so like i don't know why they chose arizona of all places but um that I, I thought that was kind of sad i mean same having them play in a smaller stadium. What do you think of that? Like do you, for the actual atmosphere at a game, like it's. I mean, are they completely, full? I think they were pretty full for the Arizona games. I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, I mean, their team is pretty bad, so I'm guessing it, it might have been full for a couple of games and then pretty empty. Hmm. I, I think the problem is that this is probably this is a. I read so could be right or wrong. A big part of why baseball is seeing its cultural impact decline is that. It used to be like, hey, Jimmy, we're in the back alleyway. Why don't we set up some baseball and play with sticks and rocks? But now it's like everyone's playing, like, why do you just play baseball? It takes forever. You're just standing out there. Let's play football and basketball instead. So it's like people aren't playing when they're younger baseball for fun as much, and I think that is why it's losing its cultural impact, thus making baseball the third biggest sport in the nation. Well, I would agree with that. I mean, you have for the outfielders, you have a bunch of people just standing there waiting for the ball to yeah, come. Yeah, I down. mean, oh, tell me that basketball is when you're playing it that it's a worse sport than baseball. I mean, I I'm well, terrible you agree at baseball. With me, yeah, so, so yeah. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Oh man, well, excited to see what the future's like. Because I jumped to my dislikes, even though it was quite a bit of disliking there. Uh, the Brewers are they're still leading the division somehow. Uh, they've taken three out of four against the Reds. Is where they play tonight to try and get the four-game sweep. We'll see what happens. Knock on wood. But right now they are the most injured team in the league, I'd have to say. They have 13 of their players on the injured list right now. And yesterday, yesterday which would be Sunday, I'm, I'm trying to do math in my head. It's bad. Uh, they had 11 batters hit, and seven of those 11 were not on the team in the last two years. And it would have been even worse, but they have Joey or uh, Jesse Winker and Darren Ruff, who are both been getting a lot of playing time. Both of them are hurt as well. So it would be even more if they didn't have so many players hurt. This is a team that is, I, I think I wrote, held together with duct tape and bubble gum right now, and yet somehow they still lead the division, which I don't know how long they can hold on to that, but hopefully reinforcements will come up. It's been fun to watch them. And jumping to my other dislike, I just – so. Basically, ESPN's halftime coverage gets a lot of hate, and rightfully so. Uh, I think I saw it was 67% advertisements, and that includes the is brought to you by Taco Bell part of it. Um, but I don't I don't get like what they're supposed to, because everyone knows the best uh, halftime show is inside the NBA by a mile. It's not even close, but it's because they have those same four guys for so long. They build up all that chemistry and people know them it's like oh no one says oh i want to hear what the espn crew says or the inside crew it's oh i want to hear what chuck says because you know them so well and espn has this like cycle of people that they use during the year that change can you name who was on the halftime yesterday so i i am a part of the camp that believes that espn's halftime coverage is horrific and it's so not, bad. W- not worth watching so i will 
just either flip and look at my phone or go to the bathroom, go get food, anything. Like halftime, I never watch on ESPN. On TNT, I, I, I'll never miss it. I would rather like, I would rather like wait to go to the bathroom while the like during commercial break while the actual game is on and run and go as quick as possible rather than missing a halftime report from the TNT broadcast. And I think part of it is like you mentioned the personalities that they've built up, the like culture of the show, the interactions and everything. But they also do so many bits and little things going on during the show that give you like you you just never know what's gonna happen. And it gives you even more and more of a reason to watch each week. Or every Tuesday, Thursday, that like those are the games that I'm most looking forward to. Um not necessarily always because of the matchup, but because of that halftime show. And I agree the rotating cast of ESPN has made it a little bit more difficult to like build that culture, I guess. But at the same time, like they're way too predictable. Like TNT, there is some predictability where like, oh, Shaq's going to be all grumpy and like say some weird stuff that like there might be some truth behind it, but he's just being way too harsh on them. Yeah, and then, but, but that's a, like, but that's a, um, a, Oh gosh, a cliche that's specific to Shaquille O'Neal yeah. and not halftime shows as a whole, where I can basically predict what they're going to say. It's, oh, Miami missed its three-pointers last time they are wide open, but they made them this time. Let's see if they keep that up. Jokic doesn't have many assists. I expect him to be very aggressive in the second half. It's like, I, I think what makes Inside so great is that they don't talk about basketball. It's a break from basketball. That's what halftime is. I think they're kind of embracing that because no one's going to hear something on halftime, in my opinion, where they say, wow, that's a great point. I'm going to be sure to look for that in the second half. It's just filling time with the way ESPN does it. I think the only one that fits that cliche is Ernie, and it's really just him like wrangling cats, basically, like just getting trying to keep them all on topic while also dropping stats or whatever, like important information about the game, like getting their ads in and everything else. And, like, I respect it so much for, like, how difficult that job must be in itself of just keeping up with like just the amount of distraction that those guys in like unpredictability. I mean, like he's probably go like doing a show with me where we're talking about one thing. And then next thing you know, we're, we're complaining about ESPN and Bally sports and we loop back around <laughs> somehow threading it all together. And we might've set aside five, 10 minutes to talk about like the NBA and have like 90% of the time we didn't even talk about it, but he like keeps that show together and like the way like it's almost impossible like even if they had the same people staying there like you took the biggest names from ESPN and put them all on a halftime show together each week the chemistry wouldn't always be the same like they're like that TNT crew has been just sculpted perfectly of yeah. fitting like each one of their personalities and like interactions and friendships and everything like the dy- like social dynamic works better like it's too perfect to imitate anywhere like it'll never be replicated again yeah and i i watched uh, a video about like a behind the scenes of that show and i guess a lot of this crazy stuff that they say is said by ernie during their breaks except he just has to like stay the straight man have you ever seen the clip where um it, it was when the bucks were terrible and the lakers were a mess it was like the year after kobe retired and they got a promo they did do and it's like for just 7.99 watch the bucks play the lakers and then they all start making jokes about like how bad, like I think Shaq said, America don't pay seven ninety nine for this. And Ernie said, like you ought to pay me seven ninety nine to watch. <laughs> so 
it's like they're they're not afraid to just like realize that how unserious what they do is and i think that's what espn has to figure out and i i think part of that like the ownership groups then you get like different stuff like like turner they are like more willing to be a little more outgoing like put themselves out there as much whereas like espn with disney like they have to be like that's a good point family friendly brand and like i mean it is a little bit of like a more like woke and like cultural like that be careful be careful but it is it's that i but i will say there's a lot of stuff that charles barkley says that if he said on espn he would probably be fired oh a hundred percent like no doubt and i i mean tnt brought him in knowing that was going to happen like they know that specifically for that reason yes and like i'm like you can have your own preference i'm sure there's people out there that hate that tnt show because they, they find all the people to be just completely offensive and like just unwatchable of like a complete just distasteful yeah, you, you can I guess. make an argument <laughs> yeah and i would 100 percent like see where you're coming from with that but i if i guess that's what you have the espn side of it for so i guess i don't know having that dynamic of both sides for both sports fans is nice I just, I mean, personally, I would prefer to have TNT, like, run all the way through the playoffs. Like, yeah. I, I want that every night. One more anecdote about the TNT halftime show before we get into actual sports stuff. Is the hardest I've ever laughed during a lot, like, watching something live was when, it was, do you remember when uh, the the Rockets played the Clippers and they tried to, like, break into the Clippers locker room afterwards? And they gave the report on Inside the NBA afterwards, and they were like, yeah, uh like there, there is a police presence here at the Staples Center. They're making jokes about like there was the Clippers players, and it was like, "I'm Blake Griffin, one of the toughest players in the league." But Mike D'Antoni's in here beating me up. You got to get down <laughs> here, guys. And I was just cry laughing during. It. It's like I could never imagine someone having the guts to make jokes about like police being called to enforce an NBA game, even though it's so hilarious. You, I know you showed me that clip before, and. It is easily one of the funniest videos I've ever seen. And okay, I'm glad you liked it. I, I never loved, got a response. So. I loved it. Oh, did I not? Oh crap! I I was laughing so hard at that. Like having, I think it was either Ernie or Kenny. Like one of the so, someone's trying to like actually like give a reasonable like opinion on it or like a breakdown yeah. of everything. And you just got Shaq and Chuck on both ends of the table, like cry laughing, talking <laughs> about a police presence. Yeah, they're dying. He's uh, and Ernie is just like numerous reports do say that LAPD was called, and he's like <laughs> LAPD was called. Shaq like chucks a piece of paper. <laughs> oh my goodness! For for anyone who is listening, for some reason I don't know why you're still listening, <laughs> but you, you got to look up inside the NBA uh, LAPD Rockets, and I think that should get the clip. But that, it's amazing as we jump to. The NBA Finals portion of this. The, we're we're the, about to pick up the pace here. We yeah. are going slow as heck. How many minutes are we at? Uh, forty-six. 20. All right, here we go. Let's do this. All right. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Just squeeze all the actual sports talk in the last fifteen minutes. Yep. <laughs> all right. Uh, so NBA Finals. Uh, we can. I mean, I kind of started the show off with it, so I guess it's fair to push it back a little bit. But I mean, what's your reaction through two games? I, I think I kind of gave how I felt about them. Like, I, I rambled for a while there. Yeah, well, we, we did talk quite a bit about the finals, but I've got a couple stats I want to share. I, I did my homework. Uh, so a lot of what the Heat is, a lot of the praise that the Heat get is based around how great Jimmy Butler has played, and he had an all-time series against the Bucks. He lit us up, and Drew Holiday said afterwards, there's nothing I could have done. He was just on another level, and he's totally right. I, 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 can't, I can't, any adjective you want to use, 
applies to how he played against the Bucks. That being said, um, you want to guess what the last game was that Jimmy Butler shot over 50% from the field. Was it game five against four against us? Uh, well, it was game four in New York. Oh, so it's been, okay. a, yeah, okay. I, I guess when I do the guess, it kind of sets up for it's going to be really crazy. Yeah. He shot, he hasn't shot 50% since game four in New York. He shot over 50% in every game against Milwaukee. So they, they talk about how he kind of carried them, and he did. But that being said, they're such a well-rounded team. That's what makes them so fun. On top of that, Jimmy hasn't scored 30 since game one versus the Celtics. But what's so great about them is that they have had eight different players be in their closing lineup at the end. They're not afraid to just ride the hot hand. When you have, I, I, I like LeBron James, and I'm willing to make the argument that he's that the, the go-to argument of who's the best player. But when he has the ball in the end of the game, you know darn well he's going to be the one who shoots it. But with the Heat, it's like Eric Spolstra, all those guys aren't afraid to ride the hot hand where suddenly it's Duncan Robinson being the one who's shooting crucial shots. Max Struess is out there. And then we talk about, I mean, there's Jimmy Butler, but then there's suddenly um, Caleb Martin out of nowhere, averages nine points per game on like 37% from three. He's shooting at like 44% in these playoffs. So it's what's so great about them is you don't know who's going to be the guy to get you. And yet, Someone always does in the end. Yeah, I just I've, like like you mentioned, Duncan Robinson putting up. I mean, I don't have his numbers in front of me, but oh, he, funny it, enough, I, I do. Uh, he it, in the regular season, he shot thirty seven percent from the floor, thirty three percent from three, and the playoffs, he's shooting forty four percent from three, and from two, he's shooting fifty four percent on those infamous drives to the basket he's been known for. <laughs> I mean, last night, I I thought he had just an amazing game. And it, it's always just in stretches for them where, like, everyone just, like, you take your five minutes and, like, give it everything you have. And offensively, defensively, like, both ends, like, you were just, like, really, like, jump out. like And it, it's a different player each stretch. Like, they'll, I mean, it might be a little bit longer or shorter than five minutes, but you'll see someone just really, really step up for this Heat team out of the blue and it's always a different guy and like back-to-back nights almost never happens like you really just end up with a, like an entire team effort which is just so respectful and like really why I, I like the team yeah Duncan Robinson had 10 points in that game but all 10 came in one 10-0 stretch completely led by him in the fourth quarter that's just crazy and there, I bet there's a lot of coaches out there where you, you gave up a lot of picks for Kyle Lowry he only played 24 minutes and he had nine points on two for three from three so he's great in spurts and they recognize that well I'm sure there's a couple coaches who would play him for like 37 minutes get out there and guard everybody even though you're 38 but it's it's really shows just how important coaching is I know it's been said a hundred times but the way that having a the ability to have a flexible rotation cannot be understated oh I mean I that's part of the reason why I was thinking the Bucks were just going to win a championship like without a doubt going into the playoffs is because of their depth and I thought they had a, a fair ability to adjust their lineup a little bit like maybe going a little bit smaller uh keeping that size with Brooke and everyone out there but I thought they just had so much depth and so many different shooters that like even if someone wasn't able to get their shots not I mean like 
similar with the the heat like they still get it done the same way but you can use slightly different people each night to to get to that end result each time and i'm disappointed i mean I'm, i just get mad thinking about it every time i mean we were such a good we really just had an amazing team like so much depth so many great three-point shooters and i it's gonna be tough keeping that team together going forward. So yeah, we'll talk about that in our next yeah. time. What, what are we doing here? Uh, you, oh you had a good yeah. Idea. So oh so, um, I couldn't come up with a, a name that actually made sense for it, but <laughs> we're just trying to make the best lineup between the teams the Nuggets and the Heat have played during their finals run. So the Heat played the Bucks, Knicks, the Celtics. The Nuggets played the Timberwolves, Suns, and Lakers. And we just have to go through and between both of us, pick the five best players from. Uh, each of those series okay uh, and it, it's not how well they actually performed in the series it's just like who we think so like a starting five made yeah. up of these four teams like if we had to make a team for next year's entire regular season and playoffs like this is our five i like that yeah so i guess point guard you could probably go jalen brunson or drew holiday i'm mm-hmm. talking about the east um shooting guard is, is jason tatum a shooting guard like he's a <sighs> forward right i think yeah he's a forward Man, shooting guard's a dying position. Is that true. is that Chris Middleton automatically? Probably. I mean, I did average twenty four on good splits in the playoffs. But mm, I don't know. You you, you could have you could have Jalen Brown. Yeah. Play. I I think that would be fine. I Chris Middleton's a little bit tough for me too because yeah I, I would <laughs> try not to go with him. I don't, but I'd put Jalen Brown over yeah. Chris Middleton. And then what forwards you could do? I mean. Tatum and Butler, right? Yeah. And then Giannis at the five. So that's yeah. one player on the Heat who is out of the five who are in the finals. And that being said, if you were to go even further, I think that they'd be like those bench guys or the rest of their players would be even farther down the list. You look at we didn't put Jalen Brunson on there. We didn't have uh, Drew Holiday, who was an all star. Brooke Lopez is respectable. Exactly. You can make the argument he's better than Bam Adebayo that, as a player. Yeah. And he's the Heat's second best player. So. Um,. I think uh, Julius Randle. I mean, yeah, he was an All Star. Yeah, I mean, not a playoff guy for no. sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, they. So the, I guess the Heat really like they have Jimmy Butler. If you're like, kind of what I was talking about earlier, like yeah, these guys like it's Jimmy Butler, and then a big step down, at least in like the name recognition on that team of like, okay, these are consistent guys. When you have an, enough inconsistent guys and they're inconsistent at the right times, it's like almost choreographed perfectly for them yeah. to like line up. Oh, uh, so you want to go through the Nuggets now? Yeah, sure. Well? Yeah, this will be a good comparison. I think the Nuggets are going to have three players on here. Yeah, so I think I'm. I mean, default, I'm going to end up taking Kevin Durant, and I. I mean, is there a way we can work Jamal Murray and Devin Booker into the team together? Because I like. If I could, I would probably take the combo of KD, Booker, uh, and then Jamal Murray, and Jokic, and then what? Uh, LeBron at that. That's what I'm thinking too. But I don't know if I could find an excuse to like swap someone else in there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm trying to think of okay, anyone buddy. else I could pull in. Put Carl Anthony Towns yeah. in there. <laughs> no, I I think I would still take LeBron even at like with him needing surgery on his ankle or whatever he's gonna end up having like the injury and age concerns there i, I think i mean you, you, 
LeBron's an obvious. You you have to take him. Yeah, but then you you look at we'll go to that next level again. I mean, uh, Anthony Edwards would be up there, but you've got Michael Porter Jr. Who's you could say Michael Porter Jr. would be the third best player for the Heat. I would say so. Def- I mean, yeah, yeah Aaron easily, Gordon yeah. would be the third best player. Another for the Heat. really you could good even one. say that Contavious Caldwell Pope. <laughs> who's I mean he's lights out from three then they have Bruce Brown who's once again lights out from three there's such a deep talented team taking on a team that when you like go by position by position they don't against the heat it's like oh they should annihilate them but it's 1-1 yeah. so that's what makes it so cool and headed into Miami too and the heat they lost two games to the Celtics at home but they've I mean, they've been taking care of this, home this court. This is an entirely new team. Yeah. You can't even talk about the regular season matchups with these guys. Yeah. Right now. It's, I mean, it's crazy. It's it's exciting, and I think, like, anyone that's disappointed is either a Lakers or a Celtics fan. That's the only reason yeah. to be disappointed about this matchup. Or Shannon Sharp. <laughs> Lakers um, fan. There you go. Well, it, I guess it just goes to show how – because, I mean, I've, I think the age of super teams is kind of – gone where we're no longer at the point you can just string together a ton of talented guys and boom here's your championship you, you, you need that level of depth and you need to have five good starters out there and a good coach I think that these playoffs have proved it as we talk about coaches what a, what a segue yeah uh, unless you have anything else to add before no no I think I think we covered that pretty well um, so NBA coaching carousel I mean a lot of guys on the move uh, this year there was I mean during the regular season, a couple of people shifted around. Then we had in this playoffs the Bucks and Philadelphia, two um, pretty big teams, immediately just moving off of their guys. I mean, Doc Rivers and Budenholzer, like, I mean, those are pretty big name coaches that have been in the playoffs the last couple of years. Um, I mean, Budenholzer able to win a championship and still on the move. Um, a lot of speculation about. The, the Celtics moving off Joe Missoula, um, and then a, a interesting hirings with both the, uh, Houston and um, the Pistons, I believe. Uh, yeah, with Monty Williams yeah. going there. Yeah, it, it's so what we have. Who do we think? Sh- I mean, so a lot of guys got fired. fired. A uh, lot uh, too from many playoff teams yeah. as well. I wish I had a big list here, but it, it's tough because we were talking before. It's it's almost like you don't know how good a coach is until you see how the person after them did. Yeah, Nick where, Nurse, another one. Well, I'll, I'll talk about Nick Nurse. I want to start with yeah. Dwayne Casey with the Pistons, where it's like, yeah, like, yeah he, he, the Pistons were terrible. They, they were god-awful. But he didn't have – there was no feasible way. You could put – I don't know. You, you could probably make uh, – I'm trying to think of it. Like Phil Jackson, prime Phil Jackson on the Pistons – that team is still a lottery team through and through. They're just bad. I, I don't – because it's like – because maybe he lost a locker room or something. But there's a point where it's like you can't – you can expect your coach to make a good team a great team. You can't expect your coach to make a bad team a great team. I think that's – and especially with players, like guys get in the locker room and they think, like, why can't we win it all? Like, we should be able to win every single game. Like, they have – at least for the most part, I think they have – confidence in themselves and their teammates thinking like oh yeah we're a great team like we should win every time we touch the court and then when it doesn't happen they need someone to look at to and and say like oh hey like it's the coaching problem and that's usually the easiest person to point at as the the main cause of 
your team's problems and like even when it, it's obvious like for the Lakers team they, they get rid of Vogel after bringing in Westbrook and just because the team's not working but is is that Vogel's fault or was he just given a bad roster like incompatible parts it's so tough but the one I can say definitively I think was a ridiculous firing was Monty Williams I oh, think that's 100% it's just I can't fathom why they do that. It's like, oh, you, you only took the Nuggets, who are in the finals right now. You took them to six games with Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton hurt when you when you only have, I think it was like a dozen games with Kevin Durant in the regular season. They had no chemistry. They had none of the things that they could do that championship teams, like they had none of the intangible stuff. They had no depth whatsoever. And they expect them to beat the Nuggets with missing two of their starters, and they don't, and you're fired for it. That's just preposterous and he was just in a finals appearance yeah he was coach of the year yes to me that one was one of the most egregious ones and i think it was because of tension between him and deandre ayton and that being the reason deandre ayton wanted off the team so i i think it was he's played bad in the playoffs like this is what i was talking about with the heat what makes them so great is Kevin Love says, like, hey, you, you got bench or other rotation in game one. He's like, well, I mean, I wasn't playing well. I mean, feel free to bring someone else in there. That's fine. But with Aiton, it's, he gets told he's not starting, and he won't, like, what was he? He wouldn't talk to Chris Paul afterwards, the famous clip where he, he left him hanging twice on a high five. It's like that's the kind of stuff that the Heat don't have to deal with, which is what puts them in the spot that they're in. Meanwhile, the Suns have a team with KD and Chris Paul notoriously loud i'll go with and Aiton's. i don't want to say soft but he's certainly someone who's he, he wants his he wants his minutes and these are all guys that and especially in the nba there's a whole like list of like and it gets bigger and bigger every single year of like i mean you, you can maybe go through like 25 30 like big well-known nba players of like just covered on social media so they're they're like famous and like <laughs> how almost like household names of like and teams want to cater to these guys now of like okay whatever you need we're gonna go fill that for you oh you don't want to be on our team anymore like all right fine we'll get rid of you get pennies on the dollar for it whatever like these last few years it was worth it like we knew this was gonna happen and they don't do any like nearly any catering to the coaches like it, it they they're scapegoat coaches and cater to bad NBA players. And, I mean, yes, you can look at a coach and say, oh, I would have made different moves than what he made. But at the end of the day, that's just you're speculating what would have yeah. worked and what wouldn't have worked. And you're for the most part, you're guessing what he's actually like doing. But he's not playing in the game. Like He's not the one that didn't win the tip-off. He's not the one that missed the three-pointer, the free throws, or whatever it is. Like It is his job to coach you to be able to perform the best you can but at the same time like when stuff goes sideways it it's not entirely on him like yes he does yeah. have to take the blame but it's not like he's not the one actively doing it he's in, like he's there to coach he's there to like put you in a situation where you you're capable of doing it and then if you you can't get that done it's not his fault entirely which i think i mean there is only like 30 head coaching jobs in the nba so it's going to be difficult. Like it's, it's going to be a lot more turnover and more willingness to bring in another guy of like, okay, you can't do this job. We'll bring in the next guy. It's like, whereas NBA teams, they have their one guy. And if you lose him, you're like, you're screwed. There's not just a whole 
waiting wing of coaches ready to come in and, and step up for you. Yeah. The way they're it or yeah, I starting to stutter here for a little bit, but you get the idea. Yeah. That's why I love Greg Popovich so much. Right? He literally sat at the start of the season. It's like, Hey, don't bet on this team to win the championship. And time like people are like, wait, what? Why are you saying that? You're Greg Popovich. But it's like he understood. It's like, look, this isn't about us winning. It's about improving and you know getting better from the start of the season to the end of the season. And if you look at the numbers for the Spurs players, they were better at the end of the year with the full year under their belt. So it's, I guess when you when you know what you are, it's definitely a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. But put that in a fortune cookie. I don't know. Speaking of fortune cookies, my mom got one the other day that had just a major typo in it didn't make any sense and I, I think she was frustrated about that just made me think of that yeah my my, uh, my friend once got like 12 fortunes in one cookie and all of them were the same except for one that was different hmm. yeah it, that's interesting there you go yeah. so I'm sure the factory machine goofed up there <laughs> well let's spend a little bit of time with the Bucks before we jump to our chaos game section uh, so we hired Adrian Griffin the Raptors assistant who's a kind of an an unknown so I, I have some notes here about the kind of stuff that he's done he's he was an assistant coach with the Bucks Bulls Magic and Thunder so I was just I found a trend and I'm not saying I'm, I'm not implying anything off of this but I just want to read it to you uh, the last year he was with the Bucks they had 46 wins when he left the next year they had 35 wins uh, he, he was with the Bulls when they had Derrick Rose uh, his last year there, they were the second seed in the East. The, the the year he left, they were the ninth seed and missed the playoffs outright. He went to the Magic for a year. Uh, they had 35 wins with him there. They had 25 wins the year he left. And the Thunder, um, they he was with them their first year with Paul George, but then he left for the the Raptors. And the year after he left, they blew the whole thing up and traded everything away. So I'm just saying... I'm not saying he's the mastermind of every team ever made, but it's clear that there's there's something there to suggest that there's an impact. Yeah, I'm assuming they brought him in as a guy that like Giannis was supportive of. I mean, I don't know how much that had an influence. I'm in sure the- it had a because what I think is funny about coaches is they never say that he didn't get the job. It's always he. Oh, he he pulled out of the job. So like Nick Nurse decided he didn't want to be the coach of the Bucks. It's it's ridiculous. It was. I think I saw that. Um, th- this is like a whole other topic, but it was uh, Shams reported that Giannis was vehemently against any other coach. But that being said, um, the person who represents Shams also represents Nick Nurse. Like they're like have a connection. So it's like maybe trying to save face for his buddy. It's tough. I mean, there's a lot of silly politics with coaches and players and this stuff and trying to control the narrative. It's certainly a bummer. But I like the hire, and I saw you add here that we put we had hired Terry Stotts as our assistant coach, which I loved. Yeah. I So I'm, that was an, another topic I wasn't really planning on getting into. But, um, yeah, I mean, just bringing in a, a little bit of a younger coaching tree, changing things up a little bit and uh, getting things – hopefully on the right track again i mean the players i think we have a good core for the team i know like there's tons and tons of questions about what budenholzer did for the team and the like lack of adjustments that he made but i mean it's always so hard to say that a guy should be fired from his job so i never want to say like 
oh yeah, like this guy needed. Yeah, I to be understood why why we fired Mike Budenholzer, but I, I would have been totally cool if we kept him. I mean, yeah, Eric Spolster is a monster. <laughs> I mean, that, and no that, one's stopping Jimmy Butler at that point. That's a weird thing of like people like looking back of like if he didn't win those first titles, like would he have been fired? Like, and could we just see a completely different? Eric Spolstra and Heat dynamic of like that culture isn't the same and Spolstra is not known as one of the greatest coaches in the NBA just because he wasn't able to get things done like there is always the chance of like things just go in the wrong direction for you you make the the easy decision to get rid of your coach and uh, derails any like progress that you were making with that culture there you go. And real quick about Terry Stotts. He was uh, with Portland from 2012 to 2021, and they they fired him because they're like, well, we're, we're, we're stuck in neutral. We're not getting to the next level. Well, guess what? They had 42 wins the year that he um, – that the last year he coached. That's where they lost to the Nuggets, and they fired him. Where uh, I think – kind of off topic, but that was the point where uh, Damian Lillard was going crazy and he missed a three-pointer, and Austin Rivers literally thanked. Like, he went up, he looked up in the air and thanked God that he missed for once. But, I mean, look, look at Portland now. Are they doing so great now? Are they, are they doing good with Chauncey Billups instead of Terry Stotts? Like, you can hire – I think Tony Romo said you can hire a different coach, but that doesn't mean you're going to hire a better coach. Yeah. I'm, I mean, Cowboys, it's a different sport, but bringing in, like, Mike McCarthy, like I think that was a well, guy. Jason that, like, Garrett was bad. Yeah, and but like you get rid of him, and then you bring in Mike McCarthy, and like what what is he, he doing? That's all that different than what Garrett was doing. Yeah, definitely crazy. I'm, I'm sure it, it too long didn't read. Coaches are the most replaceable part of a championship team. So yeah. there it, you go. It's true. Well, why don't we jump to our game we have here? Uh, we're, we're definitely running out of time. I think you could make everybody already have right now of time, but. <laughs> Uh, should we make this our last segment? Uh, yeah. Let's okay. Do it. So we're calling it passer rating golf, where basically the NFL has a formula to deduce how well a quarterback played. It, it works off of how many yards they had, attempts, uh, completions, uh, and touchdowns and interceptions. So for anyone who doesn't know, the average passer rating was 89 in 2023. Mahomes this year won MVP. He had 105 rating. Zach Wilson had a 72 rating, and the record for best of all time is Aaron Rodgers in 2011 with 122. So I'm sure most people know what passer rating is, but what we're going to do is we have each have three games played from a quarterback, and we're going to have the other person guess um, what the rating was of the quarterback who did. So how, how about this? You have to give the person... You choose what one piece of information you want to give me, and then I'll pick another piece that you have to give me. So, okay. So here, how about I give you one first? Yeah. Okay. So this is what was Eli Manning's passer rating in Super Bowl Forty One when they beat the Patriots to end the undefeated season. I'll tell you that he had thirty-four attempts in that game. How many yards? Two hundred and fifty-five. I'm going to go pass rating of 87. On the dot. No way. Yeah, that's unbelievable. I saw that one earlier. <laughs> Are you serious? Yes. God, I hate you. <laughs> so you saw my, my notes? No, not the notes, but I saw that like, oh, like that game. You're the worst. All right. Well, I guess I'll go ahead now. Hopefully we don't all know. The... Yeah, that's going to be tough. All I was right. thinking about that when I picked mine, so I picked 
two that I think you're going to know, and then one that okay. is going to be pretty difficult. Yeah. So do you want to alternate or go through Why, why don't you go ahead now? Okay. So this is Tom Brady from the 28-3 to game. Uh, oh, shoot. So I'll also – he had 43 completions in this game. Okay, I know he had like 60-something attempts. Uh, how many yards did he have? 446. Okay, so that's like about seven and a half yards per attempt. He had two touchdowns and one interception, I'm pretty sure. I'm going to guess it's um, 102? 95. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I kind of want to double up here if I can. Go for it. Uh, So Matt Ryan from that same game. Mm, I would guess he went 17 to 23 with 284 yards. <laughs> Did you have that one on there? Yes, with yeah. two touchdowns, 144 rating. It's oh, crazy. Cause, that... I mean, because, look, the, the big problem with pass ring is that fumbles aren't accounted for. And Matt Ryan did have a crucial fumble that I don't want to say because a hundred things cost him the game, but that was one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't remember him having. I mean, he, he didn't have a bad game, but I didn't remember it being like that. Like 144 passer rating. I know that, that's yeah. That's I mean, Max is 158. Yeah. So like when I think of that game, I think of like just a meltdown from the Falcons, and like a part of that for whatever reason, I just associate Matt Ryan not playing well in that game. But I mean. Or not, for whatever great. reason, yeah. I, I mean, the stats say he was great, but, I mean, he did fumble. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like, because they had a ton of penalties. If you have two holding calls in this first and 30, it's like, oh, I got a 10-yard completion there. The rating loves that, but people are like, I mean, it, it was third down. What are you doing? Yeah. Oh, man. Well, why don't uh, I'll just do my last yeah. one. Just to not go as I <laughs> So this is Patrick Mahomes in Super Bowl 54. Uh, that was his first win against... Um, the 49ers i'll tell you that he had uh he had 286 yards in that game how many completions 26 i i feel like this one was low i want to go actually no we'll go 89 uh, 78 oh man i'm for whatever reason, I thought about going low, but then I was th- thinking of like going in like sixties, and I'm like, man, that's gonna be way too low. But <laughs> well, it's it's funny because they had a lot of rushing touchdowns. I'm yeah, pretty sure that's that what game, I was so. thinking. I almost asked about the touchdowns, but I wasn't sure how many he even had. Yeah, two touchdowns, two picks. I mean, not a great performance on paper, but he was big in the fourth when it mattered. Yeah, and we'll jump to our last one. Put the final touches on a horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that this was still okay, a good segment. All right. I, I mean, the fact that we lined up with the same one was a little tough, and then also seeing the Eli Manning one before yeah. this. And the fact that I remember that, too, is actually kind of amazing yeah. because it was literally the first one that I saw, so that's why I remembered it. But <laughs> um, I can't believe that. You are the worst. I mean, I guessed. I, I, it was, I wasn't certain that I, that was exactly his pass rating, but the fact that I got it on the number it was... That Something was, else. Yeah. All right, so this last one was Josh Allen in the wild card game 2022 against the Patriots. He had five touchdowns. Oh, and he had... I know he had no interceptions. This was like where they scored a touchdown every single drive of the game. Uh, how, many, uh, how many yards did he have? 308. Oh, so probably, they ran the ball a lot, so he got that's a big touchdown percentage. I know they're big on that. I think it was like 150, 154. 58. He got, it was perfect? 158. Wow. So he 
just quick to run through the scoring for the game. Dawson Knox, 8-yard pass. Dawson Knox, 11-yard pass. Singletary, 3-yard rush. Singletary, 16-yard rush. Uh, Nick Folk, 44-yard field goal for the Patriots. Then (laughs) Emmanuel Sanders, 34-yard pass. Kendrick Bourne for the Patriots, 3-yard pass. Bills, Gabe Davis, and then Tommy Davis. Gabe Davis, 19-yard. Tommy Davis, 1-yard. And then Patriots got a 4-yard touchdown pass right at the end of the game in garbage time. Sheesh. 47-17. And, I mean, just rolling through, like, all— Every sing- they, the punter never touched the field for the yep. Bills. It was just touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Which Unbelievable. One of the most, I mean, it was essentially a, a perfect football game from the Bills' offense. Yeah, and 17 points is, uh, that's not much either. No. I forgot how dominant that game was. Yes. It was such a, like, a hyped up one, like, does Belichick still have it? And because I think we they got an answer pretty quickly. They split during the regular season. Yeah, where... and they were close ones. There yeah. was the... I remember it was the the they had like the the twenty seven mile an hour wind game where the Patriots threw it twice the entire game and they wound yeah. up winning. But the Bills were like, oh well, we should have won that one. I mean, they I don't really give them any credit. I think Sean McDermott said like, okay, buddy, like you lost. But then they just went out and they nuked them. And so they they won a game in probably the most extreme weather condition, or I mean, in recent memory, the most extreme weather conditions we can remember from a football game. Like it was like. Crazy wind, snow blowing, everything. Like, just complete frozen game. And Mac Jones throw, throws three times, and they just squeak out the win. And the Patriot fans, which that's really what made me mad about that one, was, like, just <laughs> how, like, they were like, yes, we're, like, we're going to give them a run for their money. Like, there's no way we lose this game. Like, I really think we have a chance at winning this. And then they just didn't even slow down their offense for a second. Like, just the entire game, Bills just ran it down their throat. Yeah. That seems like a good way to end it, talking yeah. about the, a, a playoff game from two years ago. <laughs> Why not? I mean, it's a summer uh, asynchronous show. Yeah. So we'll be back uh, in another couple of weeks uh, wrapping up with the finals, and uh, hopefully we have some good news for the Heat fans out there. There you uh, go. Thank you all for listening. Uh, this was After Further Review.